Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 606, 60 away from our really good one that Curlin should be on. Um, we're here to recap the week 25 and fab, talk about some more playing time situations to make sure you optimize your rosters. Don't forget to take people out of your lineups, stuff like that. All the fun things that happen the final two weeks of the season. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and the aforementioned Mr. Curlin on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, who has become they're one of the biggest heels in fantasy baseball after being one of the biggest baby faces earlier in the season. This is quite the WWE twist he's going with. How are we doing today, Mr. Curlin? It's King Curlin when I go full heel. Come on, man. It's, true. it's, true. <laughs> it's the persona. No, uh, it's good, man. It's just funny. Well, I I turned it on myself today. I put the I did the how you started how it started how it yeah. started versus how it's going, and I used my own regression monster against me, man. I was just laughing like the videos you're putting out. Now. Well, yeah, uh, you're just full on. I'm calling it like it is, though. I feel like I feel like I'm saying everyone. I'm I'm saying all those intrusive thoughts out loud now. Yes, the things that everyone says keep to yourself. You're saying out loud that that yes. stuff. Gotcha. But 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 not like full Zach, you know, like wax will uh well, wax. He, he he does it in he, a, he like, waxes poetically, it's different. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's like I'm like I'm like finding a happy medium between myself and wax, and it's one of those things where I'm trying not to be like I don't want I feel like I'm coming off like I don't remember where I came from, type of thing. So I'm afraid that <laughs> might be the read, but I, I do know where I came from because I, I also I highlight often, I highlight often it's it like I I I've been this guy, so it's not like I'm not admitting the fact I've been this guy. It's uh, it's just frustrating that I don't know. Anyway, enough of the, enough about me going full heel because it's just getting started. So it's, enjoy the ooh, oh, he's, he's teasing now. He's well, that that is full heel. He's teasing that he's just getting started with the fun. Watch out, everybody. I'd say it's pretty uh pretty apparent. I haven't I haven't really slowed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And wait until we get into like draft season when I have like actual opinions on like no one's really talking player analysis right now or anything. I can't wait. I'm going to quote tweet people, but with like direct responses instead of arguing in comments, I'm just going to argue on video and like, I'm going to almost treat this like people do on TikTok and other social media platforms where it's like, I'm responding with a video because a saves me time and B it's, I don't know. It's I'm sick of like tone being misinterpreted, misinterpreted on Twitter. Like you can be playful and people don't realize it, or you can be dead serious and people can just be idiots and they need to know it, but you can't determine which way people are trying to take it on Twitter. So there's no more let's no more guessing let's just put a face let's put a face to the uh 
and a and a tone to the comments and to the feelings behind things and uh, go from there see what happens i'm looking forward to it so you know it's gonna be fun we're gonna have two more weeks of baseball to go here playoffs and then curlin going nuts on twitter it's gonna be a great time and you guys can get a little peek behind the curtains a very very small peek to the full peek that we get in our daily uh text message threads so it's an absolute blast i'm kidding i'm kidding but um, uh, are you though because a little bit i'm not that little... i'm not i'm not full heel there i'm pretty honest no. but i think what it is i took that what i said in the chat is what i started putting out on twitter is pop, that's what i'm is saying the, is the thing. i wasn't yeah. saying you weren't being honest i was but just saying you're I'm, letting it loose I'm, the intrusive <laughs> thoughts the intrusive thoughts are coming out it's that's what i refer to it's just frustrating because and i'm hoping i'm again it comes off so hey, don't apologize i'm not apologizing for feeling that way I, I i i'm annoyed with myself for allowing myself to not be this way since i started because i feel like not being myself was kind of a shitty thing to do not that I, and not that i wasn't fully my i just wasn't fully myself that i am really a nice person and i really do want to make sure people understand like i'm very approachable if you have people if you, like if you want me, if you want if you want critique on your content, I'll gladly give it to you. And it's usually pretty upfront and honest. Um, I'm that type of guy, but I'm also really sick of the patty cake BS that we see on Twitter and everyone's stroking each other's egos. But at the same time, everybody also like wanted little cat fights. But when you meet half these people in real life, they would never actually talk to you that way. So that shit gets really old. Sorry for my language. So it's one of those things where it's like enough's enough. I'm gonna call it out and I'm gonna put the I'm gonna just put it out there. And he's Zach's doing it just he's just more like I said I like what Zach's done in, in a sense he's just done a little more to the extreme I'm just coming in with a little bit of like hey it's time for some you know let's check yourself a little bit because your little your little Twitter fingers are getting a little getting a little strong there and it's getting really really annoying <laughs> to have to deal with that behind a behind a little what two two by two picture on, on, a, on a desktop so anyway yeah I just wanted to get all that out there I wanted to let Carolyn have some fun with that for a minute Always. before we before we really get to rolling but let's talk about a couple of news and notes. I told Mike before the show, I'm like, I'm not covering all the injuries like usually. Most of them are out for the season, so be it. Um, we're playing the you know who's hot matchup game right now for the most part. There's a couple little nuggets. Uh, Ronald Acuna back in the lineup on Monday. So T's and P's, everything great. They all worked in that regard. Um, Josh Young returned to the Rangers lineup off the IL on Monday. Adelise Garcia could be back any day now. So let's go to that one at least. We can look at potential playing time situations, Kerlin. With Josh Young returning, Adelise returning any day now, how do you think that shakes things out? I know you and I were talking to Evan Carter before the show. I actually went in on Evan Carter on my DFS show last night as the way he's been playing lately. He's been very, very productive. But obviously that could come to an end if Adelise comes back. Yeah, now, and I'm also wondering, does Adelise come back and do they ease him in? With the knee as a DH, and then does Garver play more catcher? Does Heim take a little bit of a hit? Heim just got going. He hit a couple home runs last week and kind of getting back to the Jonah Heim we know him to be. But are we sure it's the outfielders that take the hit first, or, or are they going to let at least come back with the idea of him going to be a bat first, maybe play a little more DH than expected? So I am afraid of Carter's playing time. As someone who just picked up Evan Carter for the stretch, I really did pick him up for this week because of the six righties. And now I might not even, I am starting him for the first half of the week, hoping for the best. But I don't know what to think between him and Grossman because it's one of those things where Grossman also has kind of gotten going. You know what I mean? So uh, Evan Carter's defense is okay. Uh, not really anything special right now. Overall in the outfield, one outs above the place uh, above uh, average. So one DRS, like it's very minimal. I'm looking at the center field actually. Um, it's just very minimal uh, defensive. I was just trying to see if defense could be what keeps him in the lineup over Grossman. Because Grossman used to, you know, it used to be a platoon thing, and Grossman could easily go back into the weak side platoon and 
and be the platoon partner to Evan Carter. So that could happen too. It's just one of those things where I'm afraid of Evan Carter's playing time because of how well Grossman's swinging it. Because I don't think the Rangers really care about um, about playing time. They want they care about who's producing because they're still you know they're they're floundering. They're having a hard time here. So I think at the end of the day, whoever's hitting stays. But I think Grossman's doing enough to keep Carter off, and that's what scares me about Carter's playing time. But it could be more of like a Carter takes like you know Carter still plays four out of six. Uh, you see Garver get a little extra, maybe extra day off while Adelise DHs and then Heim also gets extra days off with Garver catching because of Adelise DHing. So it could be a bit of everybody versus one guy taking the brunt of it, which would really suck, honestly. Kind of wish, I almost wish it would just be Carter. As some, and that wouldn't even be a service to me. That would just be just so we have a clear playing time situation for the rest type of thing. That's fair. I, I could definitely see that being the case there so we'll see like with all the righties this week carter should get some run regardless of adelise's deal but time will tell the odys playing well um grossman's doing grossman things just to make things annoying in the rosters i'm curious to see how josh young comes back i know we're all excited in the chats our I D- started our, him. yeah i started him too <laughs> i'm still nervous like coming back like an injury usually oh, takes a little bit but you know the alternatives we we know especially you in a 15 main event the replacements you've held them with no it's, moves it's go time yeah yeah, that's right. You have no moves. We talked about that last week. You had like three bucks left or four. He bucks was one of my moves, moves, actually. I got him for a dollar a couple. Weeks. I picked him back up. After well, then you definitely him. have to play him now. You're pot committed at that point. Well, so. It was either him or Zach McKinstry or uh, Jordan Diaz. Who Diaz was is fine, but he's been so inconsistent. And I dropped McKinstry, so because I kind of committed to Diaz or bust on 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 Young. So it was pretty much yeah. So it's Young. It really was always the Young was the plan entering the week, and I'm thank goodness. Regardless of how it actually works out, it worked out because I would I would have started him ten times out of ten over my other options, including even if I didn't get them. I'm trying to think. There's not really a whole lot out there right now. Maybe for corner infield there was, but I don't know. I just I didn't really look all that much because I kind of just gonna go for the guy who not got me here, but the guy that I think could be the best in that situation. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. That is definitely fair. Um, the other one, House on Kim. We were talking before the show, not in the lineup on monday and he did not play on sunday due to abdominal pain they were doing more uh testing because they end up as muscular or something else not in the lineup uh, curlin and i agreed before the show that we are sitting him for at least the first half of the week if you have that luxury um any other thoughts on that or just a, a quick synopsis there you nailed it <laughs> right, no need perfect. for me to add to it right? yeah there's other minor things like tanner bybee hit the il with the hip injury they announced he's out for the year uh, Tristan Costas, they said officially is out for the year, which we kind of expected. Harrison Bader to the IL, Tyler O'Neill to the IL. The Harrison Bader one was kind of interesting because it happened before lock today. So those that have been worrying about the uh, platoon situations at the Reds, that was one less outfielder. And plus, the Reds also designated Hunter Renfro for assignment. So the two players that the Reds picked up over the waiver deadline via the outfield, both gone, both right-handed bats, though, so I guess, do you think that maybe means Nick Senzel has a better shot to play regularly, or is this still the same situation we've got? So it's the same situation because you you know you insert Jonathan India to play every day, which he has all but one game because of rest. He's even leading off against a righty. I think you got to think CES probably factors in more now. Um, uh, Noel Marte has been playing regularly. He's played three out of the last four, and this is his first start against a righty out of the last three. So maybe Marte is a bigger winner here, especially if he could play through that nose. Maybe his defense is helping. I, I have to look into his defensive metrics. But I think you get more or less the same. Those strong side platoon guys are going to stay strong side platoon. And then you might get a little less. Like Friedel has been playing every day. Now his, like he's already 
his playing time started to be secure, but now it's like even more secure because he set one out of the last five lefties, you know. So maybe that maybe he's just now playing every day, regardless. Uh, maybe I don't know about Ellie's playing time, he's only started against one lefty out of the last three. So I don't know if that's really going to change because given again, Marte still being in the mix, CES can get back in there again. He's already in there against lefties. And uh, Senzel's been playing, I think he's been playing rather well, and he's batting, he's definitely playing against all the lefties. So I think it's still very heavy, platoon heavy, but guys like Friedel just become safer. Marte might get a little bit of run versus righties, and maybe CS can carve out a bigger, a bigger role again. But it's it's mostly just platoon or bust on this team, it feels like. Yeah, it's platoon or bust. It's annoying as heck, but it makes sense for what they're doing. Like, I'm not going to knock that at all. But uh, yeah, it's platoon or bust, and uh, just an interesting situation there is the pitchers that the Guardians picked up. Gilito threw well in the last week, but overall been garbage. And you look at um, the hitters that the Reds picked up. The maybe the Angels did the right thing by letting them go. No, I'm just kidding. It's just uh, goofy stuff there. The uh, Angels, the Angels yeah. are wild. Brett Phillips is a thing. Which yeah, I laughed about that last week when he got called up. I'm like, oh my god! And then he goes. But he's hitting well. Yeah. He's hitting well, but he's, he's also striking the pass from time to time. Striking out forty five percent of the time while hitting like two eighty over the last like week and a half, and yes. it's stupid because this is the type of hot streak you ride with the last three weeks of baseball because it's baseball. But it's also like you say, he's done this in the past. I remember he did this with the Rays a time or two. Yeah, and uh, so it's one of those things where I refuse to pick him up. But man, like if he hit another home run this week and hit like another like two fifty with a home run and a stolen base, it's a heck of an ad, you know, like, like deeper like, league. Like check this out, last year. With two teams, the Rays, and I forgot who he got traded to. Uh, 83 games, five homers, seven stolen bases, 144 average with a 42% K rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021 with the Rays, 119 games, 13 homers, 14 steals, 206 average, 38, almost 39% K rate. Like you mentioned this year in 31 games um, with the Angels, three homers, three steals, 46.5% K rate and a 224 average. That is wild he stuff just, there from Brett Phillips. And he just does it. But he just does like all the production comes in in spurts. So it's like he does nothing for like two months, but then like one, like one three week run is when Phillips is going crazy. So, and that's why it's like, of course, Phillips would be a league, like a quote unquote league winner. Like if you, if you wrote that production last week, he could be the difference. In, if you're in a head to head league, why you might have made the next, the next week, you know, just because I, it's stupid. I love baseball, but it also pisses me off that comes sometimes all the hard work comes down to three lucky weeks. Like that's why I hate fantasy. That's what I, that's the one thing I hate about fantasy football is like head to head. Just that's why I don't like head to head money. Because all that hard work doesn't get doesn't always it's not always the best team that wins in those formats. That's why I always prefer Roto, even though Roto doesn't include the stupidest final week of baseball, but whatever, I get it. It's still the preferred format just because I like that the best team often or the hardest working manager, one of the two, best team or hardest working manager often pull it out. You know what I mean? Yep, usually more often than not. That is the case. So uh yeah, we'll see. Interesting moves going around from both yeah, sides. Don't mind me. Always Good a Good always close. <laughs> Oh, I know. I'm we're used to it by now. Uh, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about Curlin's recent Patreon. Hell, we are Patreon's uh, post on lineup analysis, just to kind of give an idea for these final two weeks. If we see anything standing out or things to like just attack for the final waiver wire periods, depending on how much money you have left. So I'm just going to highlight some of the, the main ones here. You mentioned the Marlins, like Jorge Soler came back on Sunday, kind of the surprise of many. Goes deep, plays DH, does his thing. You got Jazz do he, He's crushing it. Um, like how does this all shake out now? Because you got some guys they're as a team, they're playing great baseball, but eventually it's gonna go back to the Meg Burger's been awesome. But with Jazz healthy, Solaire healthy, you know, Bell's doing his thing, you have Burger at third. It seems like the once heavy platoon team is gonna be tougher to platoon unless I'm overthinking like the outfield situation. 
the only thing that's changed right now is all about uh brian de la cruz what's going on with his health and because of with him out though it's still been consistent it's been garrett hampson yes garrett hampson that same garrett hampson we all strive to roster once a year right he's relevant right now he's started five out of six and he's getting that run in the outfield right now and i think he could have relevance as long as it's it could be very short term though as long as brian de la cruz is out that's kind of the guy who's likely to keep playing other than that jesus sanchez even he started against the last level they faced in two out of uh, two out of the last five overall not a guy that's gonna get most of the left, all the lefties on the stretch but because of injuries and whatnot could get more of a regular run like you mentioned they're kind of this is one of those teams that is kind of set in their ways right now mm-hmm. and yeah it's you have birdie on the weak side of the platoon wendell strong side it's a whole lot oh xavier edwards was playing every day did he get sent down again i don't know I'm, i don't honestly know think he did i'm not sure he, was, he started five, five straight <laughs> he started five straight and then was suddenly out of lineup last i, th- I think he was could, i could be totally mistaken there. i don't follow the marlins a ton but, i usually uh, follow the news pretty closely but things like that slip by because it's so yeah. it's a move that is irrelevant to fantasy right now so but it's, one of, it's one of those things where maybe it's not irrelevant again but again, again how relevant is joey wendell type of thing you know what i mean so those are the guys that it, it affects type so anyway at the end of the day um yeah very fair. <laughs> um, just a little highlighter here. We talked about like Mark Vientos last week started getting playing time all of a sudden. Now DJ Stewart is playing versus lefties. So the uh-huh. Mets are just not platooning anymore. Is that, that what it looks like? Yeah, I last I looked and DJ Stewart's batting third today. So he moved up the lineup after he slowed down, of course, because the Mets. That's but, Walter, baby. but yeah, I mean he's been he's been as consistent as it gets. Uh Stewart's even getting lefties, as you mentioned. Two started two straight. He started like I don't know how many straight games at this point, but Stewart's been playing pretty much ever since he got back. Vantos, an everyday player now, nice to see. And that's kind of it. After that, you have Mauricio playing every day. Uh, Brett Beatty, if he was healthy, probably playing every day. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's finally a team where they're like, hey, young guys and good older guys, you guys are playing and the rest can kind of be bench fodder. And it's about time. It just took them till they were completely out of the running for them to play the right players, which they were always out of the running. But it was like one of those like until I remember seeing somebody on Twitter mention and probably if someone follows the team. that Maybe this is true. I don't know. I don't want to speak for the Mets fans because I don't know. But someone some, something about Showalter was waiting to be like statistically out of it before he turned it over to like the young guys or something weird. That oh, no. sounds exactly like something Schulter would do. <laughs> this, remember, remember, this is the same manager that kept his elite closer in the bullpen of a play-in game in Toronto where the, the Orioles hadn't been in the postseason forever. So logic leaves the coop when it comes to uh, Buck Showalter. Well, not it doesn't leave the game. Apparently, the, it might have left the coop, but the Mets found it and scooped up and made it theirs. There we go. There we go. Philadelphia Phillies, this is a fun one because playing DFS, this name has slowly been standing out to me as Johan Rojas um, of the Phillies. Over his last five games, he has seven hits, hit safely in four out of five. Three doubles, no homers, but three stolen bases. Uh, so he's been very productive in that regard. He's um, starting and hitting, I think, fifth or sixth, a sixth actually, on um, on Monday. So why did this name stand out to you when you looked at the, the playing time situation? I wasn't listening. Who? Johan Rojas. Oh, Thanks for go. coming. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, <laughs> I was on my phone because, you know, professional. Um, so it, it stood out to me because Rojas has found relevance in the past, even in small spurts. I know he's hitting over 300 last like two weeks, kind of empty, uh, or maybe some stone based. I'm trying to remember the stat line exactly, but he's starting again tonight. And this makes three out of the last four righties. And 
four out of the last five overall. So it looks like Rojas is carving more of a regular role. And this is just more your deeper leagues. If you're chasing some batting average help, some stolen base upside, that would be kind of the route I would go with when it comes to Rojas. Uh, but it's one of those things where I also don't trust it to last because even earlier in the season, he was getting some regular run, turned around and stopped getting it. And yeah, so yeah, he had two stolen bases the last two days, three stolen bases in the last five games. So yes, if you need stolen bases, Rojas is your guy. I think it's five in the last two weeks, actually. Yeah, so it's one of those things where if you're streaming for stolen bases and maybe some batting average help, because I don't think he's going to be a, a zero there, or he's, I don't think he'll be a hindrance at the very least, Rojas has some appeal. And yeah, those two stolen bases, two of those stolen bases came in games he didn't even start. So yeah, that's one of those things where he was, he's been helpful in the base pass regardless. But yeah, anyway, uh, Rojas, yeah. that's my If he needs steals, he's your dude, and that Phillies offense is legit right now. I want to talk Chicago Cubs. Uh, Bloomfield and I on Bubba and the Bloom last week went through every uh, final two-week schedule, kind of picked apart different things. And the Cubs one was interesting to us, especially with Great American Small Park coming up and a lot of right-handed pitching on the docket. And some were saying Pete Crow Armstrong is the guy to get. We're like, well, Mike Talkman's still there, even though Mike Talkman's not playing well. Over the weekend in Arizona, Talkman started all three games. Pete Crow off the bench. Uh, pretty much there for defense, it feels like. You also had a highlight here of Christopher Morrell playing. So what are you seeing here in Chicago? Because – they're making a heavy playoff push, and it seems like Dave Ross wants like a set lineup for the most part, and and then rocking and rolling from there. And you're muted. Such a professional. That's two goes, things. Phone to mute. This is good stuff. <laughs> if only I, if only I spent time editing. Yeah, and honestly, I'm glad you don't because I like people seeing me for the flawed man I am. <laughs> I'm one of the people, Bubba. One of the. I'm one. Of, one of us. All right. So Morel, um, he's started. He's been starting regularly now for for a couple weeks uh roughly give or take and he's he was even leading off at one point batting third the last couple games but at the end of the day morell's just playing again and he's hitting i think he has four home runs of us two weeks so he's kind of doing morell things where when he runs hot he runs hot when he's cold he's as cold as it gets and yeah pca i think it was just a course field big field dimensions it stole two hits from our boy nolan jones that same game garbage so so it's one of those things where, uh, and I think both of them would have been extra base hits at that, you know, doubles oh, in the gap yeah. type of thing. Oh, show. But yeah, so I think it's like you said, the defensive purposes, he hasn't had, I don't even think he has his first career hit yet in 10 play appearances, give or take. And yeah, so Talkman's still playing. He started three straight against righties. I don't think there's much to it in terms of the production. He's, he dropped the seventh in the lineup. Ian Happ has been leading off. And yeah, it's kind of it. This team's just set and forget right now in terms of how they're handling their lineup and Morell being the big winner right now and the big loser being Pete Armstrong, who never had a shot, and Talkman, who's just been trash. So, yeah, garbage, but getting to play hit towards the top of the order. So, there we go. Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a fun one for me because I've been really digging in on the Plasioses. We'll talk about the other one here in a minute. But uh, Josh Plasios of the Pittsburgh Pirates has been swinging a very, very hot stick at the plate, uh, playing. Kind of regularly, but you have a little note here on a platoon, which I'll let you get to here in a second. But when you look at Josh Palacios of the Pirates, primarily an outfielder for the Buccos, uh, over the last let's just let's just do the month of September for fun because he's kind of been hit and miss from there. So in the month of September, hitting 300, two homers, two stolen bases, um, really kicked it up over the last week or so in the production column. So what are you seeing with like Josh Palacios in this Pittsburgh Pirates situation? So the Pirates are happily platooning, apparently. Um, he's played, he's started against the last five righties, sat against the last five lefties, has only started against five of the last 12 lefties they faced the last 30 days. 
So I don't even know when he stopped playing lefties, but he has stopped facing lefties. And Palacios, and what the reason why that's concerning is because this week they get three lefties, at least as of this morning when I looked. So if they're facing three lefties this week out of six games, there's a chance that Palacios sits three or at least two. You know, you got to think maybe he gets one lefty because there's so many of them, blah, blah, blah. But he's pretty – I mean, he's been in such a strict, strong time platoon. Andrew Hart's been getting lefties. Trillo's been getting lefties. Uh, Alika Williams is getting lefties. So these are, and of course, Connor Joe gets lefties because you know they have to they have to see what they have in Connor Joe on but, brand. But it's one of those things where it's uh, I that doesn't leave much room for Palacios unless they decide they want to give him a f- full run at it. But at the end of the day, he's like you said, he's been he's useful, he's used, he's useful, but he's not useful this week. He's not a guy I would have been starting at all this week given the matchups, but. If they play him against lefties suddenly, that also wouldn't surprise me. And Swinski is the guy that's been swinging. Obviously, Swinski's back on the upswing, and he's actually playing every day. He's the guy who stopped platooning, so it's one less bat, one less opportunity for him to because you know he's getting lefties now. And not that Plasios is better against lefties or worse, it's just one of those things where less of bats against lefties available if Swinski's not platooning. It's good to hear Captain Jack's not platooning anymore because he's actually well, been for now. having a yeah, <laughs> but he's having a heck of a, a heck of a month of September. That's for sure. Yeah. Maybe even a little longer. So. That's good to see because if he can do it now, maybe they'll let him do it in the future. What a concept. No. T- time will tell there. Going to St. Louis to the other Palacios that I was mentioning, Richie Palacios. Um, he's been kind of playing all over the outfield, a little bit of infield for him. Um, over the last like four games, he has three home runs as he's starting to play a little more often. But one steal on the year, four, four, four homers is coming up on August 17th. Doesn't strike out a ton. The reason why he really intrigued me was the injury situation with St. Louis. Now with Tyler O'Neill going out, we know Juan Yepes got recalled. That's part of it, but they've been doing that yo-yo for a while. Nolan Gorman out for the year with his injury. So you're getting kind of areas of playing time, potentially, at least in my eyes, for this Palacios one, Richie. So what's your thoughts on what they're doing with Richie Palacios in St. Louis? I think Richie Palacios is getting strong side but two treatment, at least as of now. Um, it was a little murkier. I think I my I don't know if I wrote them up before the O'Neill injury or maybe it was after. I just I do all the teams in one day. Maybe I overlooked it. I was just looking at it. now the Palacios has started four straight against righties, sat against the only lefty, and only has one start against a lefty this last 30 days. So I don't know how long he's been up, but it's been more than one lefty since he's been up. I'm pretty sure about that. At least two I can see in the last uh, seven days. So any seconds, both of them. But with that said, yeah, it looks like Palacios is entering a strong side, a strong side platoon, which I think this week they face five out of six or six out of seven are righties. Yep. So it's a good week for him to stream, be streamed. But yeah, he's entering a strong side platoon right now from looks of things, given their injury issues. I'm surprised. I know, not surprised because then they'll have, um, they'll platoon him with what's his face you just said. Juan Yepes. Yeah, yeah, I can see Yepes getting the weak side all that because we've seen Yepes get treated as a weak side platoon bat before. Yep, makes a ton of sense. You did note that Juniel Caracuto, or apologize already on that one. Um, <laughs> don't, don't ask he's, me. He's been getting the starts for Nolan Gorman. Does not have a hit yet on his first two starts, but in uh, the minors hit 269 with three, 13 home runs and 12 stolen bases. I'm just saying if you're in the deepest and desperate situations, otherwise I'm, I'll, I'll, sit, and we'll, I'll sit that one from the sidelines. He started the last two, once against Lovely, once against the righty. But then, yeah, we'll call him JQ out of respect because at fair. this point, at this point, I'm not going to butcher his name worse. Um, he sat, he's sitting Monday for what it's worth. And they have Edmund at second, Plasios in the outfield, Walker in the outfield, Burleson DHing, and Newt Bar in the outfield. So it might be more so like if they move Edmund back into the infield more consistently, we could see him be short term. Like that could have been short lived playing time for all we know. 
And what a fun turnaround it's been for Jordan Walker. Like so mm-hmm. many of us, including myself, it's, left it's like him quiet. for that. Yeah, and he's it, no one's talking about it. <laughs> continues to do his thing. It's very, very impressive. It'll be a fun discussion piece. I love him batting seventh on a team that has no reason. They'd rather bat Palacios ahead of him and Burleson ahead of him. It's it's got, you know what it has the feels of? I'm not trying to compare the two players, but I see a lot of, I guess, prospect similarities or at least expectations. This is like how the Astros treated Kyle Tucker forever. Let's just bat you seventh for no reason. Yeah, but at least the Astros had hitters worth it. But even even when they'd have injuries, Dusty would still keep him at the bottom of the order. It was just like, dude. Dude, here's your window. Just a small window. Give them a chance. <laughs> but my thing is, is at least the Astros were competitive this whole time doing that. True. The True. Cardinals have no reason not to get him more at bats. Put him, put him batting third where Burleson's at, and call it a day. That's fair. That's totally. Fair. That's all. Like, just give the yeah. give the kid some boost of confidence. Like, hey, you've been doing well. Let's move you up the lineup, and hey, let's get you a few extra play appearances before the end of the year. That's, no, uh, that's let's fair. not do that. I agree with that. Let's go to Colorado here, and we're not going to talk Chris Bryant, who surprised many in coming back, and then. He's available in so many fab leagues. We'll talk about that in a bit. I want to talk Ryan McMahon. This is a guy that I've always enjoyed, and he's doing it again this season, 245, 23 homers. <laughs> it's almost like a consistent production for the most part, time and time. He's going to hit you like 245 to 255-ish. He's going to hit you around 25 home runs. This is what he does year in and year out. It's boring. People complain about him. And if you look at the under uh, the underlying stats, you'd expect more, but hey, it's what it is. But I want to ask you, though, which is surprising because the production has – come to a screeching halt of late. There's no sugarcoating that. He's not He's not an auto start for me anymore in a lot of formats. Um, when you look at Ryan McMahon, you're mentioning now he's sitting versus lefties. A, who's taking that playing time, and how do you see this playing out the last couple of weeks? I guess the full-time platoon, what it sounds like. Um, I couldn't tell you who's honestly getting playing time because uh, Alan Trejo's getting playing time against lefties consistently right now. Um, lefties, lefties. Um, real quick, just scanning here. It looks like him. That's kind of the only name that stands out. Hunter Goodman getting some run against lefties. Because didn't uh, Goodman lose the playing time? Didn't Goodman lose the playing time initially when Bryant came back? He, and he still kind of is. Like he's out. I think I'm pretty sure Goodman's out of lineup tonight. And let's see, they're facing a righty tonight. He's out again. He's out, and uh, yeah. So that's a, it's a mess because Goodman started two uh, two in a row, but now he's only started. If you look at it, it's like three out of the last seven. Sorry, four out of the last, three out of the last seven games he started, but it's like in bunches, two here, one. It's a mess. Goodman's playing time is a mess. I'm honestly hoping Goodman, and maybe we'll talk about more about like our strategy for week. You know, I'll save it for later. Just try to remind me. I want to talk about why I think Goodman is still an interesting spec stash right now. Okay, but but it's uh, more so for the, the the last week of the season. I'm sure it's obvious for anyone listening why I think that, but maybe it's I not. Have, so. I have a great guess already. Yeah. It's not that difficult to guess why, yeah. but it's just one thing. Well, you know, screw it. At this point, it, it's not it, much it, of a tease. It, it, it'll it'll line up why I made some of the moves I made this week. Yeah, just thinking forward of shutdowns, basically, right? Like that's yep. that's, that's that's such a shocker, right? Shut, anyway, shutdowns and schedule. Well, yeah, the schedule was definitely the reason. Yeah, reason. That was the first, yeah they play but, all weekend course. Duh. Yeah, but it's also like like maybe they say, you know what, Blackman, we appreciate you. We'll give you a couple of home starts, but uh, we'll have a seat. Blackman will play that Sunday in Coors Field for at least one at bat. No, he'll play the whole game probably. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, maybe give the old maybe and maybe they'll take it easy on Chris Bryant. I could, I could see him sneaking into five out of seven type of thing because just between days off for all the regulars and and maybe like shutting down a couple guys a couple games early whatever it might be you know yeah. but who it's also rockies who knows maybe goodman doesn't play another at bat the rest of the season there's also that anyway so uh but yeah it's been i guess it's been trejo i have to look 
honestly, I don't even care to look at who's playing where in the field. That's fine. If it wasn't an but, automatic standout, it doesn't matter anyways. Yeah, and playing. Austin Austin wins is also getting some run, but he's getting more run against righties than lefties. I don't, I don't even think he started tonight. The wins wins didn't start tonight, so it doesn't even matter. He's useless too. He's so yeah, there's no no there's no obvious must get guy in the situation. Basically, all that for nothing. Sorry guys. I remember when I remember when Austin. I remember when everyone went Austin went up so bad that worked out so well. A um, couple others here from the National League before we get to the American League side of things. I uh, just wanted to shout out Wilmer Flores has been awesome, but losing playing time, which is something to monitor because this is what happens when the Giants get healthy. Conforto came back over the weekend. Yaz came back like a week ago. Hanniger's back. Flores has been playing great, but you got Crawford returning. Estrada's back. Like There's all these like pieces. J.D. Davis is playing well. This is the frustrating part with the Giants. Like When they're hurt, it's nice because you can just plug and go. When they're all healthy – it's the biggest platoon nightmare on the face of the planet. Like, I love Wilmer Flores. If you look at his numbers, they're ridiculous this season. I'm still using them unless it's a crazy uh, right-handed heavy week. He still plays for some righties, I believe. But what do you see when you look at Wilmer Flores? Flores is really losing playing time. Uh, I don't know. If, see, I have to look at see if you got right, a righty here. A doubleheader, I doubt it was back-to-back lefties that day. But other no, than that not. righty, yeah. Other than that righty, he has sat against two of the last three. And then he's, and if you look farther back than that, he's only started two out of the last five total. So Flores is playing time against righties have really taken a hit of late, and that's kind of the concern because. And you mentioned it, Mitch Hanniger was was the most expensive uh, weak side platoon bat for a long time there. They're, they're giving him regular run now after like a while of just never giving him any run. And then you have uh, you, you mentioned Crawford getting full time run against righties. Conforto since returning has started three straight. So Conforto's not even in platoon. He's just getting. Oh, he might be in platoon. He, yeah. really, he really never was before him. He, he's yeah, been one, he was one of the few that's like, he's just playing. I think he's, but actually, I, I lied. I think he's still in platoon, but we'll see. It's, still, it's so early to be determined. He started three games. Once against, one was against the lefty, so maybe not in a platoon, but he sat one of the four games. Anyway, it doesn't matter. J.D. Davis playing full-time, basically. Um, he's His playing time against righties has been up and down. Like He started against three, just three of the last five, because you mentioned it gets kind of tight there, but Davis is still mostly regular. Uh, Estrada's playing every day. So it's one of those things where, they just have so many. Luis Matos is back to playing every day again, I guess. Yeah, he, he was playing really well, but I don't know if he's going to play every day now with Conforto back. Like, that's yeah, part of it. Yeah, that's just frustrating because Lamont Wade's hitting over 400 the last yeah, two Yeah, is crushing too. Yeah, it's they're playing well. They're not winning all their games because their pitching sucks. But um, they have too many chefs in the kitchen. That's the problem. So for real-life baseball, it's interesting. For fantasy but, baseball, it was once a fun thing. It is a disaster. It's still fun yeah. to roster the, the, the lefties. In, yeah, in the right in, right weeks, because yeah, they will be the strong side of the platoon, so for sure. Like this like, week, I think it's five you know, out of you know, six, right? You know, I'm really curious to see how it plays out with all these guys healthy. I think Jock gets squeezed in this. I think Jock's the odd man out, because huh. he can only DH, so that really limits where he's going with things. Yeah, because you got Yaz in the athletes, you got Conforto in the athlete. I think Wade plays first over Yaz because his defense. I mean, over Jock's defense is better. Um, you got Bailey behind the plate. Uh, yeah, Jock's pretty much DH or bust. Well, it's it's fun. Have fun with that. Yeah, exactly. So that's a wild one, but wanted to highlight that. Let's go to the AL side of things here. With Baltimore Orioles, you know, Mountcastle's still out. They called up Heston Kierstead, but he really is not playing a ton. And we'll talk about him more, obviously, when the fab discussion comes up later. But what do you – like, I didn't even put a bid in for the kid. Nope, same here. Just not playing. Given we couldn't, given we weren't really at the luxury of just throwing frivolous bids out there, but he wasn't even like on a waterfall for me. No, when I saw that he started once <laughs> since he's been up, like it's it's not even a, he's not even in the discussion. 
Sorry about my dog in the background. He won't oh, stop. He's, he's not a oh, Christian Kirsten, fan of course. Either. Of course, Kirsten started tonight, though. So there's that. Yeah, that's fine. He's, he's not going to. Yeah, I don't care. He's, he's not going to not start. You know what I mean? It's not like he's never going to start, but like he's starting at DH. So when Rushman needs a day off, or if anybody needs a day off, that those DH reps aren't there for him. I know Mountcastle's shoulder, the MRI was clean, but he was still feeling something last, last uh, report that came out. So I have a hard time believing that those playing time, playing time at DH is going to be a consistent thing. And then you have like Ramon Urias, who uh, has been in and out, and then Westberg, who's been like getting more run, then suddenly not because of Urias, and now he's back in tonight against a righty. It's really aggravating to try to figure out that situation. But yeah, at the end of the day, Kirstad was a guy that like I want to believe. I think it's more like a fun play. Like you're going after him next year type of thing. But I do wonder now because because he's playing, he's not playing enough in the field. He's going to end up being UT only next year in NFC. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Pretty wild to think about there. Uh, these next two guys from Boston, I want to highlight them because I was big fans of them coming into this week. We might discuss them a little bit later on. Um, but Sedane Rafaela and Willier Abreu, big fans of both. Uh, you know, Willier left for a bit for like, I think it was paternity leave, I believe, or it was bereavement, I think it was paternity. But he's been back. If a righty's on the mound, he's leading off a lot, if not playing for sure. Rafaela's been leading off pretty much every day, and he is actually starting to show some power. I like both these guys a lot. Uh, even when they came up, I said I was a big Rafaela fan when it came to price tag because there's some other prospects that came up at the time. But these guys are getting their chance with Boston, and for now, they're being quite productive. What are you seeing on those two? Right now, you're targeting playing time. You mentioned Rafaela's leading off every day. Is, that, is he, he might be yeah, – he's leading off tonight again. Yes, he is. Yep. You take advantage of that playing time, you run with it. Now, the only issue with Abreu is that he's not playing every day. Abreu is in a strong side platoon, so he will get the righties. But that puts a hindrance. That puts a hindrance on his upside because you know you want a guy who play, you want a guy playing as much as possible and not get having being stuck limited to a platoon. At least you know he's going to play though because that was a part of the issue with Abreu. He wasn't playing every day, and then like he would play four out of five against righties and sit versus lefties as well because they had so many. You know they have Verdugo and um, Duvall was getting was factoring in more or still factoring in at the time a lot more, and then Yoshida who's cooled way down and been an issue. You know hasn't really. He's been kind of bad, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So this is one of those things where the, it was a lack of like a lack of true spot for him, and so he would squeeze in, and but then he would stop playing altogether. Played like twice a week again. So I, I added him, dropped him, and then of course he gets then he starts getting full run after I dropped him. Thanks for that because I would have loved to have had him while he's been hot again. But at the end of the day, yeah, you want both these guys. They're both going to play every day. They're both playing majority of the time. But if just for the simple fact of uh, of chasing play appearances with some upside, give me Rafaela because he's playing every day. If I had to pick between the two, I want the. I'm trying to just attack play appearances and hope that both of them stay hot, or hope the one I chose stays hot. Yep, totally agree with that. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Manny Margot came back a few days ago. Everyone's kind of wondering how that would play out. Then Jose Ziri gets hurt. Is it pretty much been a one for one situation where Margot is just taking serious playing time? Yeah, it looks like it. But even more so that uh, they don't really have another center fielder. I think wasn't it? Um, What's his face? A rally playing center field for like a, a game? Or like, bit, uh, yeah, a little bit. And yeah. so it's like, do they really want that? I, I don't think they have another center fielder. I think Margot is kind of like their guy. And that doesn't really afford them the luxury of platooning him anymore. So Margot goes from being a platoon bat to likely the everyday center fielder with the occasional day off is how I'm looking at it. Maybe Josh Lowe commands some uh, center field if needed, but that'd be nice. But well, Josh Lowe's playing pretty much every day right now, too. So because this team said, you know, rarely has slowed way down and I know Harold Ramirez is hitting again. And that's another thing. Margot this week, not only is he play, he played against three straight righties after coming back, which is a big deal because, again, Margot was platooning. But this week they get four out of six against left-handed pitching. 
So that's already securing four games for Margot, more than likely. So you got to think he's playing at least five out of six this week. So Margot, this week, he was actually on my waterfall. It was him or Evan Carter, apparently, because that's how far down the waterfall it got, because yeah. those guys were like fourth and fifth options. And, uh, yeah, I ended, up with Evan Car- I ended up with Evan Carter, but I flipped them last minute. And, honestly, I'm hoping I didn't make the wrong call because I didn't think Garcia was supposed to be back until the end of the week, which bought me at least – um, the first half of the week, which I was I was looking at these guys as a streamer for this week only anyway, and so now I'm hoping that I'm hoping I didn't make the right wrong call because Margot I think might be safer for playing time. That's the type, but these are the types of names that when you're looking at Margot, you're looking at guys like fringe fifth outfield types anyway. But Margot, you know, we've seen him flash, so it wouldn't be surprising if he gave us a little bit of a couple good weeks here. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Because initially. Adelise wasn't coming back till the weekend, and now I was like, any day. Like, well, that changes everything real quickly. Uh, I wanted to highlight on this because on Thursday, Matt Chapman returned from the IL, and Bloomfield and I were talking about like the initial lineup we saw, and it's like, well, Varsho had the day off. He's struggling. Mark Whit Merrifield goes to the outfield, so maybe it's a Varsho Merrifield thing because you're not taking Schneider out of the lineup, and that's been what you're seeing as well. The part I think is interesting is Kevin Biggio's playing regularly because he's actually producing. Is it a Biggio Merrifield? platoon or is it a Merrifield Varsha platoon how are you seeing this play out for like any strong side uh, situations coming up so Varsho is still be still TBD on the platoon but he's definitely leaning towards losing playing time he's only yeah. started against two of the last five lefties and he's sat against the last one but he also sat against righty lately uh it's weird but I think he's I think seeing a sitting for a lefty after one just having one, just it was like a, he sat against a righty Started against the righty, sat against the lefty. So I think they almost transitioned him into that platoon right then and there, it looks like. Maybe that would be my guess. Like, why would they sit him two out of three unless he's injured, right? So, and this was with uh, Merrifield in against the lefty that day. Schneider playing every day, obviously. Kiermaier in against lefty. So Kiermaier might – the only thing I might say Varsho from a true platoon is Kiermaier needing rest and Varsho needing to start against the lefty down the stretch. But I think – because you also have, you have Chapman playing every day. Biggio, strong side platooning it and batting fifth or sixth, so he's actually in a run-producing spot. Biggio has fancy relevance in mixed leagues. I didn't think I'd see the day. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy and he's hitting he's, he's hitting like 290 with a couple Doing home runs over the last two well. weeks. Doing very well. And it's, fr- it's funny because I jokingly – I remember like with Rob Silver early in the offseason, we were joking back and forth about like, yeah, on Twitter about Kevin Biggio. You know, he's been like a 40th-round pick for me on, from, on a couple early DCs. And I'm like, I'm not, I, oh no, it was Mason. I was, I think I was on sleeper on the bus. He's like, oh, so jokingly, I was advocating for Kevin Biggio. Can I take a victory lap like four months later, five months later? <laughs> but no, it's one of those things where Kevin Biggio in draft champions formats, where it's your draft and holding, he's had use, he's been useful because right. right now I'm starting him when I don't have anybody else. And it's been worth, it's worked out for at least two weeks. And sometimes that makes a player worth a 50 round, a 50, a 50th round pick. Uh, can't talk. But as anyway, it's one of those things because um, the only reason why he worked out is because. The what's his face that 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 prospect everyone liked including myself Barger I think it was right Addison Barger or something like that I have to get yeah, up real quick tell you good Ad, Addison Barger he was like this he had, he flashed in the minors had like really some really interesting stats the uh, in 2022 across three levels finished in Triple A and Barger was like I thought Barger was going to come up and be a be a thing especially Seth Biggio and he's also a lefty bat so that never worked out and that was kind of the um, that's kind of where, like, how Biggio stuck. I think if Barger pushed for more, I think if Barger pushed and had a better minor league season, and I think he also dealt with injuries and stuff, so that's not really all his fault. I don't think Biggio would still be a thing, but hey, Biggio's a thing. Yeah, I digress. It's, it's my, best my, my best Biggio's, thing. My best thing. 
Bezio is definitely a thing. Let's talk to Detroit Tigers who uh, are showing platoon issues. But I bring them up because, A, you mentioned the platoon situation, and B, over the last few weeks, we keep bringing it up. They have one of the best finishing schedules overall. Like they got the Dodgers for three, but then it's four at Oakland, three versus Kansas City, uh, three versus Cleveland. Uh, pitching rotations you don't mind facing at all. Uh, this week, it's five straight righties and then two lefties to finish the week in Oakland. Next week, it's five out of six righties. The one lefty's Cole Reagans. So, like, this lines up for a lefty-heavy situation. Your Badoos, your Carpenters, who's pretty much playing every day anyways. But it's like McKinstry, maybe. What are you seeing when you look at these platoon situations? Because this might knock out your Andy Abanias. He's not even in the lineup tonight. It might knock out some other potential right-handed bats that people might be looking to when it comes to the Tigers. But we're looking for some, you know, dollar bids to end out the season that might get some regular playing time. Yeah, the Tigers are just the Tigers. <laughs> They're pesky, though. I'll say that much. They're pesky. Yeah. Man. Doing them with with Jake, them in DFS. Jake, Jake Rogers annoying. as a C2 or like a DFS catcher makes a lot of sense because he's, you know how he is. He runs hot. Yep. And he's running hot. So there's that guy. Verling's an everyday player. Carpenter and Torque are everyday players. Parker Meadows somehow is an everyday player, but has sat against two of the last five. So th- including a lefty yesterday. Sorry, sorry. Has started has sat against two of the last five lefties. So Parker Meadows could be kind of like platoonish, but Ibanez started two straight. I don't is he in tonight? That's he's off tonight. So yeah, and it's a, and it's a righty. So I think he's still more in that platoon, more so weak side platoon than not because that makes three out of the last four righties he has sat against for reference. So Ibanez is a guy that I would still be shying away from until this weekend because I know this weekend I think they played three games, which like everyone else, but two out of three against lefties. So that's like where that's when you get your Ibanez in there, you know, because mm-hmm. at least you, you have a chance for three games. But at the end of the day, very much platoon heavy. Zach Schwartz, a weak side platoon guy. Who exactly? No one cares. Um, McKinstry, strong side platoon. Badu, strong side platoon. And that's why it's like Badu, McKinstry. If you were chasing play appearances, I I still drop McKinstry, but Badu, who is suddenly leading off because again, Badu runs hot. They decide they, they're leading him off again. He should start well. at least. He should start at least three out of four uh, no. for the first week. But honestly, there's a legit shot he starts all four because why not? He doesn't need rest. So Badu could be a great guy to stream, but that's the problem. It's all about uh, the matchups. Like you can have the best schedule in the world, but if with with how heavy this team platoons, it's it doesn't mean nothing if you can't um, utilize these players with any sense of confidence and playing time. Yeah. Uh, just a fun one for you. Carlos Correa just left the game on Monday, aggravating his plantar fasciitis in his foot yet again. If you were to make a guesstimation, is it Willie Castro that plays shortstop with with Correa out, or do they go a different? Do they move Polanco over to short? How do you how have they done this in the past? Because he's missed plenty of time this season. I'm gonna have to go look at the Minnesota lineup real quick. I can I'll figure it out on the fly, but I think Willie Castro will or, or could they even put Royce Lewis back there? Ooh, That's that kind of an option. That is because I know he I know he has it's been a little bit, but I can find out in a second though. Give me a give me a legitimately like I'll talk my way through it and find it. I'm looking it up right oh, now. Not that at all. Like you know, Willie Castro's already playing every day. Uh hit third on Sunday just to kind of give a little te- uh, peek into what he's got going here. So Things are going good. I'll, I'll bring up Willie later in the show. Castro Castro sat tonight though with Michael Taylor returning because Michael I was Taylor kind of surprised by that. Well, because Michael Taylor, I think they value the defense. Yeah, it's a bad value in Great American Small Park. You don't need defense. That's bad coaching. Is what that is. So Correa, let's see. Correa's played a lot more this year than I remember. I, I don't really have yeah, a lot. Farmer hurt a ton. Farmer, farmer's farmer would make sense. Farmer farmer's the one. Farmer's yeah. been getting like when it's not when it's legitimately when it's not Correa. It's been Farmer every single time. It hasn't been Correa from what I'm seeing. That makes sense. 
but still, sense. but that was also, but that was also with Castro factoring into the outfield. Can Castro? I don't think. I wonder if Castro is eligible everywhere. I, I just wonder if he played shortstop this year. I'm, I'm just looking. I think he's Let's second, play. third, and outfield for sure. I'm, I'm just. Short. I, I just wonder if he even played short this year. He has played seven games at short this year, at least oh, seven yeah. appearances. So maybe like in-game appearances. Um, sounds, did they? Did, did they up. bring? They bring Castro in tonight. I have not seen yet. I just got the uh, alert from Underdog that uh, he left. Oh, with Farmer. Fashion. Farmer came in. Well, Farmer there came you in. Go. That your... might be your first hint of who gets there, the wrong. Yep, there's your answer, boys and girls. Enjoy. Kyle Farmer, league winner, final two hey, of the season. He was. Do you not? Do you not I know. I'm not. I'm only being half sarcastic right now. I have him in like DCs, like a 48th round picks, and I played him a lot this year. Because b- before he got hit in the face, he was running yeah. hot. He was actually really blocking. Good. He was blocking other players from like like I remember it was like a thing. Yeah. I think it was like he was getting running uh, playing time over uh, over Julian, and that, that was yeah. like a discussion. God, yeah, Willie no, Castro I, has thirty one stolen bases, by the way. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh yeah. my god, he has thirty one RBI. He has. <laughs> yeah, that's a he fun, steals his RBIs. That's there a fun go. stat. There's a stat for you. Take that's that a, the bar, folks. Enjoy it. A uh, couple more here before we do some the waiver wire for the week. Angels are a mess. I'm not even going to go any farther nope. than that. Like, I no didn't even want to. We nope. talk about Brett nope. Phillips. That's kind of all we need to yeah, talk about. We're good. We're good. <laughs> what about uh, the Mariners? Jared Kelnick's back. Um, you mentioned Ken Zone goes to the bench. That's a dude that was played well and a fan of yours. Um, what are we thinking with this Mariners situation, especially in the outfield? Um, I'm trying to pull up Tay's lineup, see if he are they play today, right? Or no, they do. Yes, and they do. he is so they face the lefty, it doesn't matter. Oh, that was a big issue this week. They have like four lefties on the, on, the, on the yeah, four out of six are lefties this week. Is Kelnick in tonight though? That's kind of what, oh, so and Kelnick's not even in. So yeah, I thought Kelnick was even a fringe sit. And now Kelnick's definitely a sit tonight if you can, just because you're not sure what playing time is against lefties. But that's the problem. You have Mike Ford, Canzone, and Kelnick, and Kelnick gets the playing time. It looks like, especially I believe because I would guess because of defense, honestly, more so than the bat at this point. But the bat isn't bad against righties. But with that said, Kelnick's probably gonna play every day. Canzone should, but it looks like Mike Ford's still eating away at his playing time. And then you have um, what's his face? rally Kyle rally who factors into the dh at bats when he's not yeah. catching so that's what pushes that that's what screws ford over that's what screws um ford a little bit excuse me yeah i was right and then canzone usually gets the outfield in dh so it's kind of just a crowded situation canzone and, and canzone might it's one of those things where a tail leaves next year canzone probably has a full has a spot off rip unless they go out and sign somebody which i think the mariners are likely to go out and sign somebody the way they seem to operate I don't know if Canzone has long-term, but it doesn't matter. We're talking way too much in the future. It's all right now. And right now, I wouldn't trust Ford. I wouldn't trust Canzone and Kelnick. I would be treating him as a strong side platoon, which does not make him an auto start down the stretch. To think he was like a guy that people were so, like, even I thought, like, oh, man, I missed out on this. I missed out on Kelnick's breakout this year because of how good he looked at the beginning of the year. And it makes you feel, it's a little, makes you feel a little better as much as, it, it sucks to say that. You hate to be like, oh, this guy. This guy, like, oh, like I was, I was glad that I'm glad I wasn't wrong. Is kind of the way I feel about it, but it's like I feel kind of guilty feeling that way because you're almost rooting for the downfall. I get it, but you also had a feud going forever with Eric Cross about who was the better Kellenic guy. You and Simeon had that feud with Cross, so it's only fair, only fair. Oh no, no, no. I think I was just Simeon. I actually did. Yeah, I never minded Kellenic. That was a Mets thing. Remember the Mets buy the Mets thing. Ah, that's right. That's right. Simeon. Simeon should have a, a gripe with everybody then. Well, the Simeon does have a card with everybody. Right. Yeah, but no, nothing like you, though. You and well, him, I mean. Well, yeah. he he's he's not in these Twitter streets anymore. 
Yeah, because he's never mind. I'm not gonna get into it, but yes, yes, he's not in the Twitter streets anymore. Um, let's talk about some waiver wire fab week 25 movers and shakers. Most of this won't be relevant, but we'll have some fun with it. I do want to talk about in 12 team OCs, the most added player in 104 leagues, as high as 70 bucks, as low as a dollar. One Sawyer Gibson Long. He made five, uh, two appearances so far. He pitched a start last week. He's gone five innings in both starts, three total earned runs, 16 strikes. He had 11 punches over the weekend. The CSW was 45% on Saturday against the Angels. He had the, the, the three pitches working in a big, big way. And in the minors this year, between AA and AAA, 126 Ks and 99 innings, a 4.33 ERA with a nice 24% K to walk. Uh, what were your thoughts on Gibson Long? He's got the Oakland Athletics this weekend. So he was a priority of mine if I needed pitching. He has a great schedule to finish out because he gets Oakland and then what? I guess that lines up against Cleveland and to finish out. Yep, that's beautiful. And that's amazing. But the problem, and that's the thing. So the two starts also, I mean, again, he's doing uh, Gibson. I'm just going to call him Gibson Long. Whatever. It's just a long name. <laughs> that's a long name. Get it? Didn't... Yeah, I got you. I got you. I think, you. listen, man. It's just I do my Jeff my best Jeff Erickson when I can. He'd be proud. anyway. Yes. Anyway, um, what I was getting at with Gibson Long is that it's look at the quality of opponents. The White Sox awful. The Angels awful. But he's doing what he's supposed to do against these opponents. So that's good. Like that's the good thing. You can't just look at the opponents and be, you can only pitch against who you, who you're facing, right? That's like the old adage. Pretty much everybody in fantasy baseball has picked up that one because you have to like just that is what it is. With that being said, he's getting two more good matchups, so ride it. But I can tell you right now, I never heard of the guy before this before this little run, and I'm I'm not a prospect guy, so that's exactly why. That's probably a big reason why. But I guarantee you, the average fan, the average fantasy baseball player, has never heard of Sawyer Gibson Long, unless you're in dynasty and even dynasty players. Like a lot of the guys on Twitter, Twitter was getting kind of fun in seeing people like like i think someone i think i can't remember who it was matt thompson maybe matt thompson called, yes. called out like i was like dude I, I i i responded i was like dude you're not wrong i didn't know who the hell this guy was and i'm pretty in tune with a lot of shit i had no idea he wasn't uh a freaking uh nick pollock got into our chat bloomfield and i were talking about him on thursday night we're like who the heck is this guy yeah i had no clue but I also realized what I need to do to help my fantasy baseball teams out for the rest of the year. And that's called add a player like that when he faces the Oakland Athletics <laughs> and the Cleveland Guardians. I don't need to be a prospect analyst to figure these things out. Exactly. And that's what I'm getting at. But at the, but at the end of the day, it's one of those things where everybody wants credit for things. And everybody wants to be like, hey, look, I was. Everybody wants a participation trophy. We know. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, I, I guarantee if you look up, go to any major website, Fantasy Pros, The Athletic, um, Roto Waballer, any. Uh, Fan tracks maybe might fantracks might be the only place you might find his name if you search it because I guarantee you nobody outside of Dynasty leagues were wrote him up in an article at all because no one's heard about him. Nope. I, I don't even think he was on the forty man because I and as a twenty almost twenty six year old kid, he's not even a kid anymore. He's um he's closer to twenty. He's close to twenty six years old. He, like, when I was doing my little write ups for for the GTE, I was writing up everybody on the forty man, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't even on at start of the year. So that's one guy that's like that's even and there's some obscure names. Like I even wrote up like Darius Vines at one point because he was on the forty man for the Braves, and the fact that he was up for like one or two starts, I was like, wow, I'm glad. Like that was actually that that surprised me because he's been you know relatively useless before that and still probably useless since honestly. But um, yeah. it's one of those things where. Sawyer Gibson Long, and if he was on the 40 man, I completely missed on him. That shows you, like, I was so, I, I just had no idea. Team rank, Fangrass has a 29th ranked prospect. I, that's yes, like, that says it, a lot. 
says a lot. <laughs> so it's one of those things where like, yeah, people can talk all the crap they want about being in all them. I believe like I think Clegg was like, I saw him like he quote tweeted his own tweet, like, okay, cool. Yeah. He showed receipts. I love that. Like show, show he showed receipts because he was talking about this guy beforehand. But if if anybody's telling you that they were in on them and can't show the receipts, I wouldn't buy the fish oil that they're selling. The fish yeah. oil snake oil. Fish oil is grosser though. I'd rather have snake oil. Snake oil. Snake fish oil is uh, gross. And I'll give I'll give Nick Pollock's quick uh, analysis that he gave us on Thursday night. It's he's a Logan Webb type heavy changeup relies on uh, basically getting chases like he did on uh, Saturday night. So. Will it work every time with a heavy change of arsenal? No, look at Jordan Wicks, but it is possible <laughs> to have some success. We don't need to talk about Chris Bryant. He's added in 88 leagues. We already talked about Sedane Rafaela added in 67 leagues. Cal Quantrill is added in 61 leagues for $75, as low as a buck. He had a two-step this week. One thing I do want to mention, though, with Cal Quantrill, it's, and I'm, trust me, I'm not saying go run to, to do this. This was the week to do it, two steps. Next week, he gets the one start, so it'd be pure desperation at that point. But since he's come back from the IL, six innings in all three starts, three total runs, and he has six Ks in one start, two Ks in the other. The Ks is the usual suspect when it comes to Cal Quantrill. But this is what I want to mention, and I'm not trying to just do Nick Pollock 24-7, but I saw this tweet today, and I wasn't on Twitter a ton, so if someone else mentioned it, I apologize. But it came across, this is what you get for getting a blue check mark. These things come on more. Um, Cal Quantrill, he's been a sinker cutter guy forever. In 2023, he had a sinker cutter usage of 70% in every start. On today's start for Cal Quantrill, 23% usage, a near 50% drop. He went curveball splitter almost primarily, which is interesting to see because this is what's going to happen. I've always been a Quantrill fan because ratios are usually pretty good. If he can somehow do this for two more starts and suck me back in, I'm going to be very angry for one. But what's your thoughts on what we're seeing from Quantrill? Because it's been a really nice run these last few starts compared to what we saw earlier this year. And Curlin is frozen on me. Okay, that's how Curlin feels about Mike Quantrill, or Cal Quantrill. So there we go on that one. Ah, oh, man, can I? this is just like the other night with, with Bloomfield. Just freezing, freezing, freezing. All right, then let's go over my ad drops of the week. We'll talk about a few more things here as Curlin is gone, and I'll just wrap this bad boy up. Um, Jorge Soler is a popular ad because he came back from the IL. Julian Mer- Merriweather is picked up in 51 leagues because he's closing for Chicago. Uh, you got Josh Young, like I mentioned. Michael King's been awesome. We talked about him already, 39 leagues. Otherwise, it's a lot of this, that, and the other when it comes to uh, ad drops. When we're talking about ad drops for my team, per se – Let's go to OC number one here. We got the likes of Fab Results. First OC, I picked up Sawyer Gibson Long, dropped Darius Vines, one bid to zero backup. Then I picked up Willie Castro, dropped Tyler O'Neill, one to zero. I wanted to target Twins bats because we get uh, Twins for three in Great American this week, and then they finish with three in Colorado the final week of the season. So Twins are one of my priorities anywhere I could. I had $4 left in this league. That leaves me 2 bucks for next week. I almost went a little heavier, but I wanted to make sure I had room to, to spare for the final week in fab. Um, OC2 for me, I added, and this is great because Great American Small Park all week. I added Will Benson for $2, runner-up of one, dropped Tyler O'Neill. I had a few extra dollars to spare. I needed it for 2-1. to one. Added Matt Walner, told you the Twins thing, dropped Bandon Belt, 2-1 to one there as well. Um, then we went Cutter Crawford, dropped Brandon Fott, one nothing, and then good old Richie Palacios, Lennon Sosa, one nothing there. And then in my final OC, 
I picked up Sawyer Gibson Long, dropped Tyler Tyler O'Neill two to nothing, added Matt Walner, uh, dropped Brandon Belt one to nothing. So a lot of stuff like that. Let's talk. Mike Curland is back from his. Oh, he's gone. All right, so that'll do it, folks. We're going to wrap it up there as Mike's got some technical difficulties on the back end here. But, um, yeah, fab. Sawyer Gibson Long was a priority. Twins bats, if you can sneak in a Benson, those are the top priorities there. We're going to see where the rest of the week goes. I know on Thursday night, Bloomfield and I will talk some more about it. But hope some of the playing time information from Curlin helped a lot. That's over at Game of the Edge Fantasy. Does that a couple times a week along with his hitting charts. So that's always valuable stuff. Um, There's a lot of good stuff over there. Uh, So go check that out. But um, thanks for listening. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We'll be back with you guys next week. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 606. Catch you all next time. up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.